In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Hi, everybody. On today's show, exploring one of the reasons investors choose not to hire a financial advisor. One survey says it's because of the cost. What you need to know about fees, straight ahead. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. All right, and welcome in on podcast online and on radio. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Hi, everybody. I'm Scott Inman, along with me, John Shrewsbury and Janet Walker. And yes, Newsflash right off the top, financial advice is not free. Wow. I don't think anybody really assumed it was. No. Uh, it, no, it, there, are, there are people out there that think that... that they expect uh, th- it. Yeah, it's just out of the goodness of the heart that uh, a guy is sitting down with them and giving them financial advice. Now, yeah. that's not the case in 99.9% of the cases. Right. But, uh, yeah, it is, it is not free. But I think the other end is true, the other end of the spectrum. I actually found this survey from a group called Magnify Money that asked uh, people in different uh, age groups and demographics, why you don't have a financial advisor. Okay, so okay. Here, here are some of the top reasons. 42% think financial advisors are only for the wealthy. We've talked about that mm-hmm. before, right? Mm-hmm. The account minimums and such. 25% say they don't need an advisor until they're middle-aged. So they've put an age on it rather than an asset level on it. But 45% said they think they cost too much. But that same survey found that they overestimate the cost of a yeah. financial advisor. Yeah. So, they, so the other, the reverse is true too, John. You said a lot of people expect the advice for free, but a lot of people think they're paying or will pay if they don't have an advisor more than they actually will. Let's kind of talk through those various points. When we say, first of all, a lot of people think that they're only for the wealthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's talk about whom we serve, you know, across the, the Genwealth locations. Uh, many of our clients are just, you know, the average everyday Joe and Jane who, you know, they had whatever job if they live next door to you you're not going man they've got more money than you could imagine you're not thinking that about them and some of them have a meager amount for their retirement and some of them have managed to put together seven figures but most of our clients are not people that their neighbors you know have a clue that they really have anything well i i have to tell you that when i got started i couldn't start a fire with three gallons of gasoline and a matchbook. I, I just, I was broke and I put $25 a month into a mutual mm-hmm. fund because I was enamored with the idea. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a good deal. I've never uh, left that mentality really, because I think that everybody has got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And clearly there are folks that, that will help people on the low end of the spectrum, if you will, because it is from those small acorns that, that mm-hmm. giant trees grow. And you've got to think about that in terms of, you know, the, the type of advisor that you want to see. Uh, the, obviously the advisor that's helping somebody with a small amount of money in a mutual fund these days isn't doing it for the money. They actually do uh, care about what that person is wanting and needing in their life 
and are willing to impart some time and some knowledge to them to help them get started. Yeah, and I think it's important, too, to point out when I read that, that they think it's only for the wealthy. Mm-hmm. Well, define what yeah. wealthy is. It's I, relative. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with a client that had a pretty sizable amount of money but thought they didn't. Right. Well, yeah. and I, I'll tell a story that this family's given me permission to tell over and over again, but they, when they got to retirement, the husband had over a million dollars in his 401k. But think about how money gets into your 401k. It's one paycheck at a time mm-hmm. and the match from the company. And she looked at me with tears rolling down her face and she said, I'm so glad that we know now that we can retire because I want you to understand something. There was a time when my husband just ate peanut butter and not because he loved it, but that was all he could afford. Mm. And now you're telling us that he doesn't have to go back to work mm. again. And so, yes, they had seven figures, yeah. but they didn't feel wealthy. wealthy. Yeah. yeah. It's more than just an account balance. That's it is. for sure. It's a mindset. It is. Without yeah. a doubt. And then the other one that you had before we get to the cost was about until you're middle aged. You know, there's that's interesting to me that there's an yeah. age uh, mindset associated with it. But I think that probably ties to the account balances too on some level. It, it kind of does. And I would be interested, kind of like they had them define what cost they thought was you yeah. know too much or whatever. I would be interested in how they define middle age because yeah. I'll tell you, we don't see most people until past middle age. Mm-hmm. They're That's not true. coming in until they're at the precipice of retirement. Um, coming in at middle age would be a, an an improvement, but frankly, we would like to see you on your first paycheck. Right. Yeah, and and I think that if you think about what does the most good, if you understand the time value of money, it's yep. getting started early. Mm-hmm. And getting started early, I think the excuse is, well, I don't have enough to really warrant the attention of a financial advisor. It's really not about warranting the attention of the financial advisor. It is really about the attention that needs to be paid to your money so it can grow into something. And if you don't have a great starting place, then you certainly are never going to be in a situation where you have a lot of money that does need to be managed. We talk about, John, you mentioned the time value of money. Think for a moment about the time value of wisdom. We don't really think about that, but if you knew in your 20s what you know now about money, how many decisions, significant decisions, would you have made differently? Yeah. Yeah. So as we dive into the cost issue or the fee discussion, because that's what today's uh, show is really about, the way a financial advisor gets paid, the possible ways that they get get paid and why, I think it's important to think about that survey. You think about if you if you think it needs to be or you need to be wealthy or have an account balance of six figures before you're worthy of financial advice, there should be a fee structure in place to help you if you don't, right? And we're going to talk about that. And if you think you need to be middle-aged or later before you uh, sit down with a financial advisor, there needs to be a fee structure in place for that company to be compensated for their time, but also be able to help you. So keep that in mind if you've never sat down with a financial advisor, and maybe some of those are impediments to you. Let's talk about the fee structure and the different ways that a financial advisor gets paid because it is laid out for a purpose, for a reason. Uh, As we said at the beginning of the show, the the newsflash is we don't work for free. I don't think really most people would expect us to. I know, John, you said there are some that do. (laughs) But if you think about people that come in, we are very transparent with our fee structure, uh, with all of our clients. Most of the time, I think they want the help, they want the services, and they are glad to pay what they are going to pay. I think 
there's a middle tranche that needs to be it needs to be shown to them the value yeah. uh, before they yeah. realize that it's worth the cost. Uh, and then there's some people that are just not going to do business no matter what because they're those people that you said that they don't want to pay anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they think that the road to prosperity is being cheap and, right. and, and and limiting their expenses. And that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are study after study that basically shows what value in terms of dollars and cents that a financial advisor delivers to a client versus not having the advice and acting on your own. Sometimes you can really get down a rabbit hole and, and not be able to get out in making some mistakes that maybe a financial advisor might defer you from if you're following their advice. Okay, so let's talk about the types. There are really four different types of fees. There's the financial planning fee that may or may not uh, be at some firms because there may or may not be financial planning that is associated with their services. There is a commission-based fee structure. There is an asset management fee structure. And there can also be an hourly or even a monthly fee associated with the services. So let's break all those down. Let's start with the financial planning fee. Well, let's let's start first and basically say that you're not going to be charged all of that at one time right. on all of your money. So these are these are siloed to some degree. Yes. So the the financial planning fee, I think if you're not being charged a financial planning fee, there's a great chance that you might not be getting a financial plan mm-hmm. uh, because financial planning is a time and labor intensive uh, journey that you go down. It is a lot of people coming together and looking at your situation and giving you some guidance based on where you are and what you need to do with your money. And Janet, I know that there are a lot of people that say they do planning for free, but that's really just a come on to get uh, some money in their hands. It, it brings investable assets in the door, and then they make a product recommendation like here invested in this or that or this combination of, pro- of products. But a product recommendation is not a plan. And John, you and I have, have uh, collectively, between the two of us, been in the industry for over half a century. And in, Did you really have to say it that <laughs> way? <laughs> and, and in my part of that, and I think this is, is still true for you as well, in my part of that, I have yet to see a client from another advisor come in and bring an actual financial plan. Now, many of them have come in with statements not one time have I seen somebody come in with a plan that, in essence, tells them what investments they need and why. I can tell you that I have, uh, I can probably count on one hand and maybe even have a finger or two left of the times that I've actually seen a financial plan from a competitor. Uh, there, It's much like a unicorn. You know, it's, uh, well, everybody talks about it, but uh, have you ever seen one? So what it is, is it's written. Yeah. Right? And in our case, it's in a three ring binder. And, yep. it, and it is not just a product recommendation. I would even go so far as to say it's not even just goals written down on a piece of paper. It is a yeah. plan on how to achieve your goals. And, and it's very personalized. Um, yep. We met with a, uh, a gentleman earlier this week that he said, you know, I, I know a lot of people at my company that have retired and I thought, well, I can go talk to them. But then I got to thinking, you know what, their overall situation is different than mine. They've True. got this or that going on. And all we really have in common is that we work at the same company. And so he knew 
that it was important to him to have something individualized. And that's very key that every financial plan that we've ever done here at GenWealth is on paper, on purpose, personalized to that individual situation. Scott, it also has to be functional. Uh, You know, there are people that will overwhelm you with, you know, reams and reams of paper of stuff that that you don't have any way of understanding. And and we do have to document some of that thing in a, in a financial plan that we do. But one of the things that we deliver in a financial plan is a very, uh, very efficient summary in plain language that says, you're here, take these steps, and then you'll get here. And, and that's basically the outline of that summary. But one of the things that I think is really important is that a financial plan doesn't just go and get put on a shelf somewhere, collect yeah. dust, and you never really open it up again. We refer back to your plan if you are coming to see us for financial planning. When we have our, our annual checkups, our reviews, then we are actually diving into your plan to say, okay, we were here we should be here at this particular point in time. Where? What's the progress? What does that look like? And so I think it is a very uh, useful tool. It has to be very useful for you to be able to get some results from it. So let's talk about why the fee exists and how that plays into your overall planning process. If you think about going to an estate planning attorney and sitting down with that attorney and creating a trust, there's a document Mm -hmm. that comes out of that, and there has been time that has been spent on it, so the attorney is compensated for his time. And the same is true for a financial planning fee. There is time put into that plan with no requirement on the back end of that plan that we're going to manage anybody's investments. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's against the regulations for Mm -hmm. us to charge a financial planning fee and say, okay, now you must invest money with us. It has to stand alone on its own. You can actually come in and buy a financial plan if you want to uh, in quote, say that, and then take it with you and go do something else with it if that's what you want to do. Now, clearly, if you uh, create a financial plan with your advisor, that advisor is going to be on the same page with you in terms of implementing that plan. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the next step, the next logical step. But there is no requirement for actually investing assets if you do a financial plan. And we believe very strongly here at GenWealth that that plan needs to come first before we get into the investment side. Mm -hmm. Because the investment recommendations without the plan, we don't really have a purpose here. Well, you're right. And let me add on to what I just said there, Scott. Obviously, if you could walk out the door with a financial plan, then we're going to have to charge you for that plan or else we're working for free and people don't work for free. And so there is a nominal charge for the financial plan. I will tell you that at GenWealth, we are substantially below what the industry average Mm -hmm. is for a financial plan because we just think it is a necessary tool to get us to the the strategy that's necessary to make the investment recommendations. Yeah, it's interesting you use the word tool because I'm thinking that all of the investments that are uh, available to us and really with anybody that any advisor that has our same licenses, right, is are they're all in a toolbox back here. They may not understand all of them, every advisor, but they are all in this toolbox and we all have access to it. But you don't want to pull out a wrench when you need a screwdriver. And that's the problem with recommending an investment before you build a plan. I think for those who have been listening to the Get Ready for the Future show for an extended period of time, uh, you'll realize if you just think about it for a moment that we have not ever come on the show in a decade and a half and said, everybody needs to listen to this about this particular product because you need this. 
why haven't we done that? Well, the reality is everybody's situation is different, and you might need something that your neighbor does not need. If you go back to the toolbox analogy, Scott, that you used, it's not that something is inherently good or bad about a hammer versus a screwdriver, but my grandfather was like very keen on you use this tool for its intended purpose and this tool for yeah. its intended purpose, and he better not catch you trying to hit a nail with the the butt end of a screwdriver you know this is this is not a good thing that's not the purpose of that particular product so for investments we don't believe that products are inherently good or bad it is a question of whether or not they fit in your individual situation all right so in our discussion of cost uh, or fees that a financial advisor charges moving past the financial planning fee there is the investment discussion, the plan implementation, we would actually call it, where the investment recommendations are made. So then inside of that, let's talk about how an advisor is compensated. Really, across the industry, there's one of two ways based on what type of an account mm-hmm. is holding the investment. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, you can. there's a lot of discussion on this, but to boil it down, as Scott said, there are two methods of compensation. There's not one that is better than the other, uh, except circumstantially. And mm-hmm. here's what I mean by that. If you look at commissions, there is a time when you, if you pay a commission and you hold that product for a long period of time, that is a better deal for you than actually paying an advisory fee. If you're going to buy something, hang on to it for a long period of time, Not require it doesn't require management, active daily management, then uh, buying it through a commission basis is probably the right way to do that. And then conversely, if you're going to actively manage something and trade something and be sure that you reallocate and things of that nature, you don't want to be paying commissions every time that you need to do that. As a matter of fact, that creates a conflict in your mind, whether the advisor is actually working on your behalf or on their behalf. Are they trading my account to trade it to generate income? Or are they trading it because it's the right thing to do? Mm. If you're charging an advisory fee on that, then that issue is moot. Uh, There's really no benefit for that advisor to trade that account uh, to generate commissions because commissions aren't being generated in that type of account. One of the other things that people really like about fee-based is that it puts the advisor and the client really in the same boat, meaning if the choices that the advisor puts into this particular account, if they perform well, then the client has more money. And since this is a fee, a percentage of the account value, then the advisor is also making more. So it's a win-win or a lose-lose in that situation. A lot of clients like that. But I want to circle back a little bit to the comparison. Um, John, you talked about, you know, commission if it's on something that you're going to buy and hold for an extended period of time versus if we're trading frequently in order to manage that, you don't want a commission. So let's use an example like real estate. Okay. And, And I'm not saying that anybody who's listening out there, I'm not saying that you need it. I'm not saying it's good or it's bad, but think about this for a minute. If you bought real estate, everybody knows that that's not something that you want to buy today and sell tomorrow or even in two or three months. You're probably going to hold it for years. And that's how you over time really realize the change in value or at least get the income off of that property. So what we're seeing in the industry, guys, just kind of the talk behind the scenes for quite some time now, there has been this push towards commission is bad and fees are good, period, end of conversation. Well, let me ask you as a consumer, if you're going to buy real estate, 
do you want to pay somebody to quote unquote manage that and decide if you're going to hold it or sell it, you know, on an ongoing basis? Do you want to pay them that every year when you know that you know that you know you're not going to sell that? It, it might be a 10 year hold that you're looking at. So at GenWealth, Again, we don't believe that one is good and the other is bad. We're going to look at the situation for each investor and determine what is going to be the least expensive and therefore the most logical path to pay for that investment. We use the Netflix analogy occasionally, yeah, right? Yeah. Because the difference is do you if you want to see your favorite movie over and over again and you want to own that tangibly in your hand, then mm-hmm. you're going to buy the DVD or you're going to, I guess maybe you just buy it and download it these days. I don't know how many people are buying DVDs, but you, <laughs> you have ownership of that movie and you can watch it as much as you want and you're going to have it. That's the commission yeah. base. Yeah. That's the buy and hold. Or... Netflix is more popular because it allows you to pay a subscription service fee for on a monthly basis, and you get to watch as many movies as you want. You're not going to hold on to one for all, all right. eternity. You're going to actually be trading uh, movies for different movies as much as you want uh, with no additional cost incurred. So that's right. kind of another way to look at the asset management fee compared to the commission. So the fourth one is the hourly fee because there is, if there is no uh, investment management, there may be, if you're working with an advisor on an as-needed basis and the uh, compensation for the advisor can't be tied to the assets, maybe in, in, in a great example of this would be all of someone's um, investments or savings are in their company uh, plan, their 401k, right. and they're not 59 and a half. They haven't left that company. They've been there for a long period of time, and they just want some recommendations on how to allocate inside of that 401k or other advice outside of investments, there may be an hourly fee charge or maybe even a monthly subscription fee. Yeah, and and sometimes when you have a a very small amount of assets, but you need a lot of education and Mm -hmm. coaching and that type of thing, a monthly subscription fee and and some time with an advisor and some tools that 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 advisor can provide you to work with to basically coach you along, uh, a monthly fee might make sense. And and when you think about Netflix, it's kind of the same type of thing, that you're getting a service and and you're using that service and you're kind of doing it at your own pace, but uh, you also have have the added advantage of an advisor. And here's the real key, I think, in evaluating all of this is when you stop and think about it, every great athlete has a coach. It, regardless of who you want to name, Michael Jordan or LeBron James or, or whoever. Uh, I, and I noticed that uh, there are a couple of Razorbacks that are going into the pros. They've been uh, doing going through the uh, combines and what have mm-hmm. you. Well, you know, those guys all have coaches. They all have trainers. They all have people that are helping them to be a better athlete. And they would not be the athlete that they are today without those coaches. Else, there wouldn't be a market for coaches. So a coach provides a a a great uh, deal of value to an advisor, just like it provides a great deal of value to an athlete. And so when you think about the cost of a financial planning relationship, think about the cost that you are giving up that uh, that relationship might otherwise provide you. That survey that we quoted at the beginning of the show today also surveyed people who do have a financial advisor. So we we talked at the beginning of the show about why do you not have a financial advisor, your reasons for not having one if you don't. But the people who do work with an advisor, 
they the majority of them responded by saying the cost was worth it to them. So right. that's that's an important highlight as we talk about the fees associated with working with an advisor. And we're going to wrap up the show now by moving into some questions you should ask your advisor uh, with regard to when you're interviewing one and you're thinking about choosing which advisor you'd like to work with. So we've got three of them. And the first one is, are you a fiduciary? Now, that's a word that I think of a TV advertisement that uh, that plays on a lot of the ball games. in fact, for one of the, the financial firms that are out there nationwide. But that's a word that gets thrown around a lot. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I wonder how many people really grasp what that means. So let's talk about, if you're going to ask that, you need to know what exactly is the expectation of the answer. Well, I think that, that it literally is the embodiment of the Lou Holtz do-right rule. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I would do for you what I would do for myself is essentially what it boils down to. But, if I but, were in your circumstances. Yes, if I were in your circumstance. So in other words, the the true essence of a fiduciary is someone who will give you advice without it being any kind of uh, inward-looking uh, self-interest involved in it. And so when you think about a fiduciary, you want some work, someone working on your behalf. Now, that doesn't mean that they are not compensated for the work that they do. Clearly, they are compensated for the work that they do. But I think, Janet, it really boils down to what side of the table are they are they sitting on? Yeah. And that and that goes back to why a lot of people really like like a fee structure, because then they don't have to wonder, you know, which side of the table you're sitting on. It really does put people on the same page. But again, we go through that process of here are the things that we believe you need, that we believe are in your best interest to help you achieve your goals uh, financially in the future. And we will look at those individually and go, okay, these are commission based, these are fee based, and here's why. But also even discussing the why behind the individual products and helping you understand because your your buddy at work might have said, well, they didn't tell me that. They, they did my plan differently. And you don't know why? Well, there's a reason. Your situation is different. So that that is it's really important as, as you're talking to an advisor to understand that that fiduciary responsibility, it applies to making your plan individualized. Scott, I think also I, uh, uh, to touch on this fiduciary thing a little bit differently, someone cannot be a fiduciary if they only have one product or one firm's products that they can actually do business with. They're an agent at that particular point. They're not a fiduciary. They're an agent. A fiduciary has to be able to look across the landscape Mm -hmm. of everything that's out there. Yeah and be able to say, in my opinion, this is what's right for you, and have a broad spectrum of different investment products that he can look at to be able to prescribe. You wouldn't go to the doctor who only had one drug, right, or right. All, mm-hmm. one drug, or a, a family of drugs from Abbott yeah. Labs, let's say, or, or name, name a, a pharmaceutical company. If you only had that one you'd be like, uh, no, I think I'm getting some jaded advice here. Yeah. I need to go to someone who has a broader scope. Yeah, and to, to kind of vet that out even more, because the other the other side of the equation is there is the suitability standard. Otherwise, yeah. if you're yeah. not a fiduciary, you still have to make sure the investment is suitable. So if you go to the doctor and you say, well, this drug won't hurt you, yeah, but, but it's not going to heal you. Right. That's the same deal. Not right? going to get you where yeah. you want to go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In, in our industry, that is the, the suitability standard. It's a it's a do no harm type yep. of deal rather than recommending what is in their best interest. Yeah. 
It's a big difference. And I think written plans go a long way towards that too, yeah. right? Acting yeah. in your best interest. We put the why on paper on purpose so that we both have it. Both sides of the table refer to it uh, in the years to come. Because ultimately, that's the other part of this we really haven't talked about is, is that we want this to be an ongoing relationship. You right. talked about the reviews, the annual get-togethers, but it's also about a long-lasting relationship, not a transaction. Yeah, it has to be uh, without a without a doubt. And I think the other thing that you got to ask about is how do you make money? I think Janet, that's one of the uh, questions that some of our more bold clients will come. Yeah, come. and and we don't mind that question at all. Right. I, we're again, Scott mentioned earlier, we're very transparent about how we get paid. We're not going to step back from that question at all. Um, I, I think the more open anybody is in any industry about that type of thing, that um, it, it's just better for the consumer if they understand that. So we'll, we'll be happy to have that conversation. But again, we're looking at this all from that fiduciary standpoint of what's going to be in your best interest. And it may be that there is a particular product that is commission-based and we get paid in that way on that particular product. And then there's something else that is fee-based that some of your other dollars are going to be uh, invested in. And we get paid in that way on that collection of products. Again, it's not that one is good and and the other is bad. It is simply what is in your best interest to meet the, the goals of your plan. I think it would be important, too, to point out uh, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about, well, okay, so I want to know what am I going to pay to go see the financial advisor? Well, it's really nothing to go see the financial advisor. Setting up that first appointment with a Gen Wealth advisor, that first appointment is complimentary. And that's where those questions that we're talking about here can be asked and more uh, can be asked. We'll ask some questions, too. But the question, how do you make money, can be discussed there. And you don't have to really make the decision of committing to any payment until you decide to move forward past that first appointment. The last question now before we run out of time is what services are involved in financial planning? Because we talked about this at the beginning, John. You talked about uh, if someone is willing to do, an advisor is willing to do the financial planning for free, you really need to determine, is it really a financial plan? Yeah, there are about seven key areas of a financial plan. And and literally, it takes time to go through all yeah. these seven key areas. You're not going to do this in a couple of visits. Uh, it is an ongoing uh, process. As a matter of fact, there are 61 different services that a financial advisor can provide. And, and when you look at, at what we call here at Genwell, our service matrix. It looks something like this. And I think we've got a graphic that actually is for our online viewers can actually see this. But it is uh, seven categories that are really broad categories of financial planning. And then there are 61 areas of service under that. Now, everybody is not going to touch every area of service. Not everybody needs everything on this page. But Scott, I think this is a great uh, depiction of what a good, thorough financial plan actually is and how it can actually uh, serve the needs of a client that may be journeying into retirement or actually accumulating money and preparing for life as they grow their family. Let's talk a little bit about the timeline that that really represents, because there are some of the things on that uh, on that page, our matrix of services that we're going to do on that initial meeting and some things that we're 
we're going to do each time in the future when we get back together. But just because it covers seven areas doesn't mean that we have to have seven meetings. We're not going to, you know, stretch everything out, but we're going to address those critical points to get you started. But then there are other things that we'll do in the future. So maybe you come in and start seeing us in your 30s or in your 40s. Well, one of the things on here is Social Security planning. You're not really thinking about that at that point, but there's going to come a time in the future when that matters. Getting uh, Medicare in place for you. We have a, a team that's set up to be able to do that for you as well. And that's one of those timeline things that it doesn't matter right now, but there will come a point when that's important and that's when you get to that part of the matrix in your situation. When we go to that question, what services are involved in financial planning, a product is not a plan. We, we kind of referenced that a little earlier in the show, but it really is out there, especially when you think about the advertisements that are out there for yeah. products. And you, and you think about how that works. They are advertising to the masses that this product is good for everyone. That's the basic for broadcasting. That's right. what you're doing. You're broadcasting a big message to a lot of people and telling them all the same thing. And I hope that we have driven home the point today that your plan should be unique to you you know what that tells us in the industry when they when they're just pushing one product they probably only have the license to do that one product and so if you ask them what's in your toolbox Mm -hmm. they have a toolbox full of screwdrivers yeah if you need a hammer good luck because they don't have it and they're not going to tell you about a hammer because they don't have it hey look your car is not going to tell you where to go You know, not even a Tesla will tell you where to go as far as now you might input into the Tesla (laughs) and it might give you a route. But the car itself is is simply going to sit there and do what you tell it to do. And the same is is true for a product. A product is simply a vehicle to get you where you want to go. You still have to determine when you're leaving, how far you're going to drive, where you're going to spend the night, you know, what what route you're going to take. Are you going to take the scenic route? Or are you going to take the, the expeditious route? Uh, those are all things that you work out with your financial advisor, and then you get in the car and go down the road. Yeah. So those are some questions. Are you a fiduciary? How do you make money? What services are involved in financial planning? All important questions to ask when it comes to this idea of understanding fees. And again, I go back to that survey at the beginning of our show today. Most uh, people who were surveyed in that survey believed that the cost was higher. If they didn't have an advisor, the cost was higher than it actually was. And if they did have an advisor, they believed the cost was worth it. You heard the bell. It is time for the final thoughts. Janet, we'll start with you. Okay, so we'll just give you some of these questions again to recap. I think it's very important for you when you meet with an advisor or with a team of advisors to ask the following questions and be sure that you're comfortable with the answers that you get. Number one, you want to ask them how do they get paid? And if they're squirming or they're uncomfortable with that, that's that's a little bit of a red flag to me. You, you've got to be sure that you understand how that works. What services are included in financial planning? If they're even offering financial planning, that is another key point to be sure that you understand. And then you also want to ask them, are you a fiduciary? And be sure that you understand that that means that they have to recommend what is in your best interest. Scott, I think my final thoughts are this all may sound expensive, but you have to ask yourself, expensive compared to what? Mm-hmm. I think that if you never reach your destination, but you save the money that you would have spent on a financial advisor, you still haven't reached your destination. You still aren't where you want and need to be. 
If you have reached your destination with the help of a financial advisor, then the, in my opinion, the cost is irrelevant at that point because you have had the outcome that you're looking for. Be an outcome-based investor. Be an outcome-based financial planner. Be focused on what you want for your life and what you want for your retirement, and I think the cost will take care of itself. Well, services and advice are certainly not free. However, resources are. Educational resources. Without a plan, the future just happens to you, and we've got 10 ways to shift your perspective of financial planning, and that is free. You can text the word PLAN or visit GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash plan to get your copy. If you want to text the word PLAN, you need to text it to 501-381-5228. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. Again, I hope it was uh, helpful for you in this discussion about financial planning and investment fees. If you have any questions, reach out to us, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And you can always find us on social media. Search for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors on Facebook or on Twitter at Gen Wealth FA. The Gen Wealth Financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.